The Lord be with you. Let me tell you about a thing that I haven't been able to stop thinking about ever since I heard about it. There's this artist named Sam Van Aken. He's a professor of sculpture at Syracuse University. And this guy has been working on a project since 2008 that I absolutely love. Sam has been crafting a tree. Or more accurately, you could say a series of trees. And folks, these aren't just any ordinary trees. This amazing undertaking is a labor of love, and it all starts with the tree from the genus Prunus. The botanists among us know that Prunus includes the trees responsible for stone fruits and almonds. So that's all the varieties of plums and cherries and peaches and nectarines and apricots too. Buffy says those are all the best fruits and she might be right. Over the course of years, Van Aken has been strategically grafting little donor branches from those different fruit trees onto one glorious plant. After some time and when these trees finally come into their own, they are truly a sight to behold. Each branch bears its distinctive blossoms in season with different hues to highlight their parentage. And the harvest from one of these trees is a real sight. One tree producing an astonishing assortment of heritage varieties. So many colors and shapes and sizes. The project has come to be known as the Tree of 40 Fruits. And it's its whole phenomenon. In the last 14 years, Van Aken has helped graft together trees for a number of different museums and private collections. And what's so great about a project like this is that it helps expand our imagination. It helps expand our view of the world. It's a work of art, surely. A work of beauty. A living sculpture. But it's also a lesson in science and history and horticulture and human beings' relationship with the plants of the earth. It calls to mind all the ways that we have worked the earth and nurtured fresh expressions of fruit from such an an assortment of trees. I love this tree. I wish I could have one of these trees, but... I don't think I live in the right climate zone. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you've been hearing that all Sunday morning in song and prayer and in our children's time with Dawn. This week's reading from John's Gospel is one of Jesus' poetic I am statements. A way of describing God's sustenance and care. The ways that Christ tells human followers what he's all about. But not just what he is all about. This is about us too. Last week we were sheep, tended to by a good shepherd, and here we are branches connected to the true vine. Take a moment and consider in your imagination our mortal branches, trembling, delicate, fresh and green, finding life on the vine of the universe, ancient, meandering, maker of worlds, sustainer of multitudes, fruitful even in branches like us.
So it's worth asking, if we're going to really lean into the metaphor uh, on a Sunday like this, let's ask the question, is the church like a sort of tree of 40 fruits? Is the local church like ours, a grafting project of human branches? It sure sounds like it. A great effort of integration and variety, introducing new expressions and life and humanity as we gather people into our common life. And with each passing season, we celebrate the blossoming varieties nurtured in our midst. Sounds great, doesn't it? Boy, it really does seem like a fun project even. A beautiful image, selecting the choice varietals. Grafting in new branches here and there as suits us. But there is a really, really big problem with this image if we are not careful. Because Jesus is the vine, not the church. What a mess we make when we presume to be that vine and the vine keepers. How many toxic expressions of religious life have been formed this way? Our selective pruning can be so lacking in vision and understanding. We know this, if we're honest. After a little time, it's such a natural thing to tend towards a a certain kind of crop because that's what suits our taste. What a twisted thing we cultivate. If we let our worst impulses And excuses give shape to the tree of fruits that we thought best of. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. The dream of God, the the universal project, is the growth of a wild and gnarly an ancient vine of Christ, propagating such an assortment of beauty and wonder The creator sees what we do not see, drawing together such combinations and pairings of flavors and colors and shapes and sizes, possibilities that we could not even consider. This has been the lesson of the church from the very beginning. Today's first reading from Acts chapter 8 tells us the famous story of one of these amazing lessons an unlikely pairing, to be sure. Because in the first days, when the church was a brand new thing, the Spirit chose a church leader named Philip. Called Philip out into the desert where he found himself on a wilderness road. He'd been set up. Set up to land on the path of a most remarkable travel Traveler. A regal and powerful Ethiopian dignitary. The official in charge of an entire kingdom's wealth. And we don't learn this man's name, but we are told this Ethiopian was a eunuch. Another layer added to the potential cultural and social strangeness for a man like Philip. And if that's not set up enough, this amazing, important man was riding, no doubt, in a splendid sort of chariot on his way home from Jerusalem where he had been worshipping. The man was rich enough even to own a scroll and he was reading the prophet of Isaiah aloud. 
All of this, all of it, is strange. Astonishing, really. And there are a lot of obstacles for these two men to overcome. Race, culture, wealth, status, language, maybe. Probably some prejudice, maybe a few unkind assumptions. No part of this extraordinary encounter was Philip's idea. How could it have been? This encounter with a man from a strange and distant land, Ethiopia, the furthest edge of the known world? Prompted by the Spirit, Philip approaches the man and says, do you need some help with that Hebrew scripture? And the man says, I'm going to need some help with this Hebrew scripture. (laughs) And so Philip gets to lead a Bible study, rolling along in that great chariot, A lesson from Isaiah's famous suffering servant passage. And the Ethiopian says, okay, but who is this amazing person that we're talking about here? Philip gets to tell the story of Jesus. The account of the man from Nazareth who walked the earth as a prophet, as a rabbi. The Christ who lived among us, full of grace and truth. And no doubt, he also told the part about the man who suffered at the hands of religious and political authorities, crucified, buried, risen to new life. Maybe he even tried to explain how someone like him, filled with the Spirit, ends up on a road like this in the wilderness. How people are invited to follow Jesus, even, Maybe he even told him about something called baptism. A way of joining the new life in Christ. Who knows how long this would have taken since we're only told that Philip proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And the good news lands. It sinks in. Wait, this is good news. (laughs) The account of God's participation in history as a means of redemption for humanity Oh, of course, this is good news. And in that moment, Ethiopia's treasurer saw something that even the spirit-filled apostle didn't see. He saw himself in the story. He saw how this was good news for him too. A way of becoming a part of the Jesus story. And then that same man saw an extremely providential body of water an oasis in the desert at the roadside. And there's excitement in that man's voice as he shouts, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from getting baptized? And in that instant, they both know the answer. There is nothing to prevent this, nothing whatsoever. And so the chauffeur pulled the luxury vehicle to the side of the road, and the two men made their way into the water. And as a joyful man rose from the water, the church gained a whole new view of itself. The reach and scope of God's dream for this world would include every sort of person. Every sort of person? Every sort of person. 2,000 years of church history later, this same gospel lesson seems so glaringly obvious, yet it remains as vital as ever. 
How is the global church still so divided along lines of race and class and nationality and gender and sexual identity and money and status and power and sensationalism and politics and mudslinging? It's embarrassing. It's heartbreaking. How quickly we lose sight of God's possibilities. We're so easily hemmed in by a lack of imagination, old habits, our awkwardness, our discomfort, or just plain old stubbornness. I think it should probably be a regular question for a local congregation like ours. What is our growing edge? Who is it that we refuse to see, that we do not see? What possibilities are we failing to consider? I am reassured in all of this that our vine grower is patient and careful with those divine pruning shears. Thanks be to God. Because the church is such a tangle of people brought together in celebration of the sustaining Christ, the true vine, source of life, the one who nourishes all of us, the one who lives in us for the life of the world. And in that, the church is called to branch out so that we might find ourselves amazed by the rich and beautiful thing being done among us. How do we stay fresh? How do we remain vital and alive, connected to the vine, As a regular practice for many of us, this looks like the patient work of thoughtful reflection, naming the ways that we are grateful, but followed by a readiness to consider the ways that we have been too narrow in our vision. Here at First Baptist Edmonton, I've been thankful for the work that we've begun as a community in the last years, naming racism, homophobia, Sexism, colonialism, and classism as but a few of the destructive forces at play in our context. I pray that we may press on humbly in this journey, always ready and eager to be surprised by our Creator. But let us be clear. The vine of Christ is not a garden variety affair. It is not our little local project. It is not something we control. It is lush and green and wild. It is tended by the creator of the universe. This vine gives life to God's dreams born in us, blossoming into new things, decorating the world with hope and mercy, stretching and growing us, nourishing us with boundless love. Friends, little branches, tender shoots, we get to see one another in these stories. Thanks be to God.